And I promise I will not look at the crossword until we are done. I'm going to move it out of your field of vision because you will get distracted in the middle of this recording. I know you. That is true. I've known you for a long time. I am not safe around crosswords. (laughs) Welcome to the Play Ed Podcast, where we explore cultivating connections through play. And welcome to the Play Ed Podcast. I'm your host, Laura. And I'm Chris. And today, we are continuing on uh, with uh, games which only one of us have played. And if you are noticing a quick pattern here, just sit still. This is yet another game that I have played. And again, it's a quick, easy game that the kids could play on their own. That Do I play played, on their own. That I have played with them. And the way you can tell if it's one that I've played is that it'll have those qualities. Whereas if it's one that Chris has played, (laughs) it typically takes four hours to roughly three days to play. Usually has not only a large set of cards, but a large set of figures. And And a very, very, very long rule book in tiny print. Yes. Yeah. So. Which is why I don't play as many games as I would like. Okay. See, I set the bar low. (laughs) Today's game is called Labyrinth, but first a little disambiguation. There are many games called Labyrinth, so I will help make it easier for you. This is the game called Labyrinth that is made by Ravensburger. Links will be in the show notes for y'all just to keep it simple. There are other games called Labyrinth. I am sure you knew someone in your childhood, even if your parents refused to have it because it involved marbles, that was a little wooden box where you had to move a marble through a maze and get it through a hole. But no, not that hole. The other hole. I remember seeing that in the Sears Wishlist catalog as a kid, which dates me because when did the Sears Wishlist catalog die? Yes. I'm sure all of us knew someone who had it, and we thought that was the coolest thing ever. Marble runs are fun. Yeah. And yeah, I was never allowed to have a copy either. Mm Mm-hmm. But this is not that game. It is not that game, nor is it the game that is based on the Jim Henson Labyrinth movie. Although I'm sure I'd love to get that one. That's a favorite with our kids, the movie, I mean. And they'd probably love a game themed around that. We have the movie. We do have the movie. We don't have the... There's a game based on it? There's a game based on it. Oh, good heavens. Okay. However, we've established what we're not talking about. People want to hear what we are talking about. Yes, we are talking about Labyrinth by Ravensburger. It is a super, super simple tile-based game. And... It is very easy to learn. The game board is a simple bifold um, board. It has 16 fixed tiles on it. In addition to the fixed tiles, there are a number of tiles that move, and that is where the game gets fun. The moving tiles and the fixed tiles all show the corridors of a maze. It shows passage and it shows wall. The corridor can be straight, the corridor can be a T-intersection, it can be a corner. Can it be a four-way? Um, I do not know if there's a four-way. I think there are some four-way intersections, but I don't recall. Among the passages, there are also 
printed pictures on some of them. On some of the tile cards. On some of the tile cards. So, And all of the tile cards that are hard-mounted on the board have icons of some kind on them. The hard-bound ones, let's see. Yes, they all have either an icon or a starting point. Okay. It is an up-to-four-player game. Four-player game. Each of the corners is color-coded to be a starting point for one of the four uh, character pawns, which are little molded pieces that look like a sort of fantasy adventuring character. So think a a Dungeons & Dragons or similar fantasy role-playing game. This is the easiest version of a dungeon crawl you can imagine to introduce your kids to. You have this board. You have your four character pawns. You have your moving tiles and your fixed tiles. And so how do you set up the game? You you lay out the moving tiles in the open spaces on the board between the static tiles. Correct. And you put the pawns on On the the starting points. Do you put anything on the other icons? There's like a crown and some keys and... You don't put anything on the icons. Okay. So mm-hmm. what you do is you set up the board and once you've got all of your pieces in in place, you'll have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It, it's a seven... So it's a seven by seven grid. A seven by seven grid. So there will be 49 places that a pawn can land. Six... How do you move? All right. So 16 fixed. I think that means that there's 25 that move. Um... But don't quote me on that. The way you move is that when you've got a space on the board, you can move as long as far as you want to, so long as you have an open pathway. An open pathway and... And it's your turn. Okay. Now, the other part of the game is that you have a series of cards. The cards are dealt out at the beginning of the game... To all of your players. Oh, so the cards don't drive movement. They do not drive movement. They drive your goal. Oh, so it's like Enchanted Forest. Yes. Also by Ravensburger. Yes. And also popular with our kids, mm-hmm. where the the tiles with the icon for the quest object yes. help drive the gameplay. And what the card does is I look at this card, and this card tells me that I need to go and find and collect as a treasure... This, uh, it looks like a gecko. It's kind of a, a black and gold striped lizard type creature. Did we do a show on Enchanted Forest? I don't know if we've done a I think we may have mentioned it in our show on... If not, we need to deal with it. We may have mentioned it in our show for pre-readers. Uh, and this is another game that I will point out is great for very little kids because, again, it's all icon driven. So... I have to find on the board this little lizard creature. Now, I'm not seeing it on the fixed tiles, which means it's one of the moving tiles. Now, when I'm moving, and that's the one I've drawn, I have to move around the board until I can get to that piece. So, I'll move as far as my pawn will allow me, but I can. if I run into, let's say, a wall... You can't go any further. I can't go any further. However, there's a neat thing that happens in this game. I keep on mentioning moving tiles versus fixed tiles. Every single time you become the new first player, part of what you do is move a row of tiles. So each player gets to move one of the rows of tiles. They push the labyrinth forward so the tile at the far end of the board will fall off, off. and get moved. 
And then it shifts what all of the labyrinth corridors connect to. Now, okay. So does that mean that the tile that drops off immediately moves back? Yes. Okay, so you're not pulling from a pool of new. No. You have a, the, the number of tiles completely fills the board. Each turn, you are rearranging them, and it works kind of like one of those puzzles, but instead of having an empty space, you create the empty space each time that you shift a row or column. Which means your root back as the pawn may or may not hold true. Correct. Okay. And once you have collected all of the treasures in the labyrinth that you were tasked with getting through the deck of cards, through the hand of cards that you were dealt, then you'd need to go back to your home base, and that's winning the game. Ah, okay. This sounds like a lot of fun, and I know I've watched the kids play it a lot. So, simply designed, it's a treasure hunt, but the complication is that the route to get to the treasures is always changing. That's a lot of fun. Yes, it I is. I can already see how that would be a lot of fun. And I know I've watched the kids play it, and they... they Our kids play this a lot. <laughs> and, this, and and again, this is, this is one of the ones that even the youngest picked up really quickly, and they can play on their own if we're just too preoccupied with all the adult stuff that consumes our, our life. Mm-hmm. So, it's super easy to learn... You can play several games in an afternoon, and that makes it a great starting point from a standpoint of knowing the game to teach it, because it's not that hard. Um, Once you understand the basics of how to go about it, it's very simple to do. Yeah, I don't know how entertaining it would be, but I suspect it's simple enough that we could actually like just set it up now and play a game. I just don't know that that would be very entertaining for our listeners. It would be very hard for our listeners without a video feed to watch it. So we will spare them that. But again, I may put that on the list of videos that I could post to YouTube of teaching you to play simple children's games. You know, we keep teasing these things. Maybe we ought to do them. I'll see what I can do this week about getting a slightly more photogenic backdrop for that. Oh, I don't know. We just throw up a green sheet, right? I mean, it's as simple as that. Certainly that's what everyone on Zoom is doing. (laughs) From the midst of the zombie apocalypse, we bring you Labyrinth Live. Now from Hogwarts. (laughs) Okay, that almost cost me the mic. (coughs) I'm going to need more coffee. Indeed. So, easy to learn. The next question becomes... Great! It's a fun, easy game. What besides keeping my kids occupied for half an hour to an hour am I gaining? Planning. And planning is, in fact, I think one of the biggest aspects. Coupled with adaptation, because you can't predict which of the channels that the tiles run in are going to move. And as you can move the tiles that move, I'm looking at the board, they can be moved horizontally or vertically. Yes, and observe how my little character here, hanging out on the bat, when it gets pushed forward, suddenly ends up in another part of the board. Right. The characters move with the board. And so if I had someone here on the opposite end of the board, they could get get pushed off and end up 
moved all the way across. And if the next player pushes a horizontal one, then you end up being diverted from your goal even further. Correct. And with four players, that's three opportunities for your piece to move not only relative position to your goal, but the route to change. Because what corridors are open or closed off is what changes. And so, so, and so your challenge is not just how do I get to my piece, how do I move the labyrinth to improve my chances of getting closer, and then how do I adapt as the other players doing what they're doing to get to their pieces, shift the roots, and cut off what looked like a viable way to get to that. Or to play more cooperatively if they choose... And try and facilitate each other's movement to the objectives, Mm -hmm. which I know I've seen our kids do also. Yes. Especially since if you see them getting tired, they will shift from I want to win the game to I want the game to be over. And they'll find and they'll make a game out of how do we get everyone to get their pieces and finish. Right. And I'm really glad for that element of adaptation if it saves us some tears. But yes, planning is huge because you're looking at, I have a goal. How do I get to the goal? Well, right now I certainly can't. So what's the one move that's going to get me closer to halfway across the board? And then you start, not unlike in a chess game, seeing how one move affects not just this one piece here, but multiple pieces all across the board. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's slightly smaller than chess, because chess is 8 by 8, so that's 64 squares. This is 7 by 7, so it's only 49. Mm -hmm. So that that actually reduces the complexity in one set of dimensions, even as you've introduced the moving board elements that increase the complexity, uh, along with the quest objectives. Yes. So is there any combat in this game? No. No combat. It is a simple treasure hunt, and... There's no conflict with the other characters, save for the fact that everyone is trying to reach treasure, but different treasures. You're not trying to You're go not f- competing for the same. You've each got your individual quest objects that you're going for. Yes. So you can compete or collaborate with your pl- with your the, your fellow players in order to move the labyrinth the way it needs to. Um, older players can certainly play very cutthroat and move the labyrinth so that it cuts their 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 opponents off. But you could do a very simple game rule alteration where instead of it being first player to collect all wins, its goal is for players to collect all, and then you work with each other to uh, figure out how to move it so that everyone can move most efficiently. You figure out if you can do a speed play game where we, you ask, how can we get to everything as quickly as possible, work on collaborating with objectives to make that happen. And that is a way you could alter the game rules to make a more collaborative game. And it's adaptable and flexible enough to do that. Sounds like a lot of fun. So as I was thinking through um, things non-skill but more content-based, this would certainly not be a bad idea if you were hap- if you happened to be studying ancient Greece and the labyrinth at Crete um, and the myth about the Minotaur. It's not a bad little thing to throw in there as you get that idea of the frustration of trying to find a single thing in a place. And while real labyrinths don't have constantly shifting corridors in the dark, it can certainly feel like that. So 
not a bad game to toss in, but I think in general, the real value of this game is that element of adaptation um, that comes from you have a goal, you're trying to meet your goal, but then nothing is static. And that's, I think, a thing that's very hard for a lot of kids to initially deal with is that it's one thing to be focused on your goal, but there's other people focused on their goals and the situation around you constantly changes. And part of successfully dealing with obstacles and goals in life is that it's not as if all of the variables stay fixed. Right. They are, in fact, variables. Well, and it it occurs to me that one of the things that can come out of this is the ability for a child to learn to cultivate equanimity in the face of adversity. And that's a really complex way, you know, uh, of of saying that they they can learn to adapt without getting upset about having to adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it we've seen it with our own kids. We've seen it with other people's kids. We've we've noticed it in ourselves that you can get fixated on I'm here and I want to get here, whether it's in life or work or in a game, and you've you've got this map in your head of where you're trying to go. I sometimes call it the movie version of your life. Yeah, where you've got a training montage that takes, you know, 35 seconds of film time, but it's, you know, eliding six months of heavy lifting and fencing lessons and riding lessons and damn near drowning in the in the creek as it washes over and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's all accompanied to a heroic track, and real life just isn't like that. Real life is, I'm almost there. I need one more move and oh the walls shifted again and now I'm I'm on the opposite side of where I wanted to be with no clear path there and everything's moving in between. So frustrating as that is to an adult, hopefully we've learned some emotional regulation that allows us to say okay, lousy day, I'll get up tomorrow and I'll figure out a new path. Or you take it as a challenge like great I get to do this again. You crack your knuckles and you wade in and you find a a new path. But for a small child, they don't have that experience. This game can help cultivate that experience as they learn to adapt that just because the one way they saw forward is no longer available doesn't mean it's impossible. It may be more difficult. It may be more time-consuming. They may have to apply some, some... real attention to the board paying attention to the board would be critical in this game oh yes this is not a game that you can do casually from that aspect because you'll find yourself cut off and unable to root to your your objectives and i think from the standpoint of noticing that children frequently get fixated on one strategy this is an excellent game to help with developing that that flexibility of your plan's not going to work. Right. Things are going to shift that away, and you will learn rapidly that you have to, each time you have your turn come up, you have to reassess the situation, change your plan slightly. And for a parent playing this with smaller children, or any children still learning that, it's a non-confrontational way of doing it. Yes. It's not you... Oh, well, circumstances change. And then, you know, your kid's reaction is, well, I hate you. You don't love me because, you know, you you didn't give me the, the thing I wanted. Well, no, life is life. Sometimes crap happens. I mean, 
just don't look at the news. I, I, I've i had to go into a news blackout because I can't take any more of the crap that's on the news right now. But that being said, if there's a way you can help your child learn adaptation and rerouting a path in order to achieve an objective that is, that is non-confrontational and that you're in this together and, hey, buddy, let's work together to figure out a, a route to the destination, that's, that's gold. That's, that is absolutely a priceless opportunity as a parent. And that becomes something that can be extended into later life. That's my... My, my parents were military parents and my brother ended up going into the Navy as well. And when he went there, my dad said the biggest rule you learn is uh, over, under, around, or through. Yeah. You see an obstacle. The obstacle isn't the end. It's the place where you have to stop and stay okay. This thing, this wall is now here. So how do I go over, under, around, or through? Most of the conversations with my bosses over the last 20 years, and, and, and for the 10 years before that, that I was working in theater. So whether I've been in, in professional theater in the entertainment business, my time in finance, my time in IT, 90% of the work-related conversations I have with any of my supervisors and most of my peers are, hey, we were trying to do this thing, and we were going to go this way to do it. That's not an option. How do we reroute to get to the destination? Just a few weeks ago, my boss and and his boss and I were talking about, hey, do we need to fly out to visit these clients in order to try and get some stuff moving? Well, then the coronavirus-related shutdowns started happening. So, oh, I guess we're not flying. Let's figure out another way to get the clients moving and get them engaged. So we figured out some approaches. We, we reached out to the clients and said, hey, we want to try doing things a little differently. Let's do this and this and this. We got some buy-in. The clients are still moving. So, you know, do, does every story end that way with a happy ending? No, not necessarily. But those, the, the walls shifting, the ground moving under you, the route to your target in life is never going to be clear. It's only clear, as you said, in the movie version of your life, and that's because that's written in order to tell a specific story. And the storyteller can clear the unpleasant obstacles. I mean, movies that focus on the minutiae of somebody's life are really, really boring, unless you like French art films. Yes. You know, most people, especially if you want diversion in a film, you want to go and you want to see some sort of heroic tale or some sort of romance with commedia, with a, a, a some sort of union at the end. And so there has to be adversity, but you know going in that the adversity will be overcome. Well, this game, I can clearly see, creates an opportunity for even very young children to practice overcoming adversity within the safety of, of the home and the family and building that relationship with parents and older siblings of learning how to work together to overcome that adversity. And that ends up being an invaluable ability that will set them head and shoulders above so many of their peers going in, in into to their adult life. Puts me in mind of, of Rudyard Kipling's poem, If. Yes. Um, that's just, it's one of my favorite, that and Gods of the Copybook Headings are, are two of my favorite Kipling poems. 
Uh, amongst my favorite Kipling poems. All right, this is going to descend into a Monty Python sketch if I'm not careful. Um, but regarding Kipling's If, if you can keep your head about you while all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, th- that's one of those essential qualities of life lessons, one I'm still working on. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not very good at that. Well, emotional regulation is a lifelong habit to build. The earlier you start, the easier it can be. Yes. More importantly, if you start teaching it with low cost loss. Well, and it's since it's a habit, it's hard to teach as an intellectual exercise. You have to habituate someone to to regulating their emotions. And so when the value is learning to respond, not necessarily to losing, but to the frustration of having your clear path to the goal suddenly shifting and it's not so clear anymore. And knowing that that's not the end of the world, that you just, you, you, you find a way to keep going. You find a new route. And I think that is the take home. Now, shifting to what is an appropriate age to start this, this is one that I think can go really young. We started with our young, he was what, three when we got a copy of this? I'm going to look at... But I think he was four before he really got a handle on playing it. Yes. Now... Ravensburger, recognizing that it doesn't want to frustrate its clients. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. What, what does the manufacturer recommend? The manufacturer says that it's this, this is a two to four player game for ages seven and up. Okay, and I can understand why you would want seven and up, simply because most of the games that are... Most of the games that four, five, and even six-year-olds play readily don't have the complication of a moving board. And that is a very fair point to consider. And the amount of abstract thinking necessary to 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 reroute your paths. So I would say that my judgment point is, if your child is already playing checkers or chess, if you have been able to successfully teach them one of those games, a game that has elements of strategy to it, even if they are four or five, they're probably going to be fine with this game and they're going to enjoy that level. That's my thought is that it's definitely, it's not, it does not require reading at all. It is entirely icon driven. There is no mathematics involved. This is primarily a game that's going to involve elements of thinking through possibilities. And so again, that's a maturity issue. Some children I think we were at a chess tournament where one of the participants was five years old. Uh, four. Four. four and a half year old. So you will have precocious children. And if your child is among them, this is probably when you could play on the earlier end. Um, I think we've only just managed to teach the five-year-old chess and he's still working through learning how the pieces move. Yeah. And I don't think the five-year-old is actually particularly good. I usually end up paired with him. But the seven, nearly eight-year-old. Yeah, that's really where it's you can see it click. So uh, again, I mean, I'm I don't disagree with Ravensburger's um, evaluation of the the recommended ages. Um, the the other adaptation I would recommend if you're going to play it with very very young children is uh, make it more cooperative than competitive. Yeah. Um, have everybody go for, you know, once that the, the goal is to get everybody to their their um objectives, not um 
necessarily um, winner take all. Winner take all. Uh, play with the cards open faced. We do that a lot with most of our games when we're playing with the little kids. Um, and when we're when you're learning games, it's always good to just play open faced because then you get a kind of collaborative action going on as you're as everybody's trying to figure the game out. Yeah, that's actually one of our biggest adaptations with any game is if you're in a learning mode. Don't try to make it harder on yourselves than it already is. I don't know that we've mentioned that in previous episodes. That that that's that playing open faced, especially while you're trying to learn a game, really is one of those critical adaptations to keeping it in the fun zone. And that allows you, as once everyone's at the point, it's like, Mom, I know how to play this. That's when you say, Okay, all right. Then we're... you add the complication. You do easy plus one. You make one complicated change. Before you do all of them, you don't jump straight into the optional additional rules. And that's how I learned to play a lot of the, the, the challenging games that I prefer. The, the ones with the 64 page rule books of, you know, eight point font and graphs and diagrams and that they take two hours to set up and four days to play. Um, you know, I didn't jump into those games, you know, sort of fully formed like Athena from the head of Zeus. It was much more. You know, oh, okay, well, let's play this variant that's really simple so you can learn how the movement works. And then let's add in this additional complication of, oh, you're going to move and build cities. Okay. Oh, well, now you need to navigate islands. You need to learn how to build and maintain ships, load the ships, get people where they need to, blah, 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 blah. And you layer in the complications. Yeah. We teach writing the same way. We we teach Latin the same way. You don't try to teach it as one whole. And if the... And if a game maths has to be taught that yeah. way and if playing a game open-faced it's like yes you don't have the element of secrecy but that's an element that when you're playing competitively is something that adds to the fun when you're learning the game it adds to the frustration yes so make Str strip the complications back make it open-faced when you're learning a game that allows you to say okay we're not playing to win we're playing to learn and that takes away the stress of, well, I have to keep my card secret or someone else will figure it out and play against me. It's like, no, we can use that open face time to say, well, here's what you could do. Right. And that helps them to start learning and thinking through the possibilities. And once they know the rules and they understand how the parts move and the different elements and complications of the game work, that's when you can say, okay, everyone knows this one. We're going to move to playing it competitively now. Right. And, I trust that you understand how to think through these because you've shown it in our previous games. The other advantage to doing that to taking that approach is that it allows you to iterate through. Yeah. And we learn iteratively. We learn by repeating things with minor variation. We learn by repeated failure getting us to a successful outcome. Yeah, that was actually something I was... We had a, a rather stressful moment earlier this week. One of my son's... Um, who still has some emotional regulation issues, he had a, a meltdown about a video game. And in the it, it was as simple as, you know, you needed to consult this this tech tree to, to answer the question. And I said, so what did we learn? And it's and it was as simple as when I run into this problem, I need to consult this thing and then I won't have to fail. This isn't a guess the right answer. This is a consult the rule book to find the right answer and pass the test. And that moment of meltdown could have been a throw my hands up in the air, don't play that game, it causes too much stress. Instead, you step back and you say, okay, what did we learn from this failure? 
And that moment, those iterations through frustration, learn to step back and say, okay, what could I have done differently that would make this less troublesome? Mm-hmm. Plain open-faced is a great time to have those moments to say, okay, this aspect of the game, that's going to be complicated. We need to learn how this works before we can go and play it competitively. Otherwise, we're going to spend half the game consulting the rule book. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good place to end uh, in that, you know, we've we've kind of beaten uh, to, to a, a, a very, very high quality glue. Um, the whole question of kind of what can you get out of the game. And and the key thing is it's fun. The, the, the illustrations are beautiful. It'll help form the aesthetic sense of the child. Um, it's a lot of fun to play, either co- collaboratively or competitively from everything I've observed the kids doing. And the pieces are very durable, so it's one that can be played without a whole lot of worry about, you know, delicate pieces getting getting broken. It's sturdy. And you're going to have a lot of fun and you're going to have those those lessons of adapting happen almost without even having to think about it. It just it does it on its own. And that's really what one of the things we look for in games is what can they teach without you as a parent having to sit there and say, now the lesson in this week's after school special is. Yes, does it does it subconsciously and. It may take them until their 40s to realize, you know, I I think I suspect, yeah, I think it was Labyrinth that taught me that I'm never going to have a clear path and that when you run into a wall, you just have to say, okay, what's the new route to my goal? How do we adapt, adjust, and overcome? Exactly. So with that, we hope that you have enjoyed this week's conversation. Uh, please write to us if there's games that you would like us to hear about, and we will see if we haven't played them. We'll look into getting them to talk about them. You can write to us at playedpod at gmail.com. You can also follow our Instagram and Twitter at playedpod. We have a Facebook page you can like, Play Ed Podcast, and we have a YouTube channel, also Play Ed Podcast. So I'm seeing I'm seeing, you know, a theme here. We try to keep it really simple for everyone. So, until next time, thanks for listening. Y'all take care. Bye. Test, 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 test. Oh, hey, look, it's working now. Amazing what happens when you check the connection and make sure it's plugged in. Well, it was plugged in. This was one of those plug it, unplug it, and plug it back in again fixes. Okay, well, you know, as long as we can, don't have to call the technicians to shake their gree at the thing. <laughs> you are the technician. Oh, right. Uh, do you have your notes... Um, I don't need notes. You don't need notes. Okay. We're working on something a little bit more... Notes? We don't need no stinking notes! (laughs) Alright, let's do this.